0: Good morning, church. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? I really love that uh, last song that we sang, Lean Back. Uh, it's one of my favorites. Uh, I don't know, can you? how many favorites can you have? Uh, I just, I really do enjoy it, though. Um, one of the things that we need to do, we absolutely uh, need to know how to do this, is we need to know how to rest in God. Lean back in His loving arms. Rest in Him. When we rest in Jesus... When we rest in the arms of the Father, it's there that we get refreshing. It's there that we get renewing. I've said this before. I'll say it again. A time ago, I was in a a period of prayer, and I was praying about where, where we are, where we stand in the grand scheme of things. And the Lord spoke to me and said that the days that we live in are filled with sorrow and sighing and sadness. And they are. And I mean, we could just go on and on about the list of reasons why. And I don't think that there's any argument there that the days that we live in currently are filled with sorrow and sighing and sadness. But the good news is that we can live in a place of joy in the midst of sorrow. We can live in a place of joy in the midst of sighing. We can live in a place of joy in the midst of sadness. Because although our flesh experiences the sorrow of the day, our eternity, our spirit experiences the joy that only comes from God. And so we are a two-part being, and we can experience both at the same time. Glory to God. Let's get into our message today. Amen? Glory, glory, glory. we're We're in our hot sauce series. We've been here for a number of weeks. We've been talking about different aspects of the Holy Spirit so, if you haven't caught on by now, our hot sauce Holy Spirit series, right? And so, these are not average; these are not your average tongues of fire. Uh, they're a little bit spicier. And so, we've discussed a whole bunch of different aspects of the Holy Spirit. We discussed the difference between the soteriological or the salvation aspects of the Holy Spirit and the pneumatological or the functional aspects of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Very simply put, right, that's very complicated to talk about, but very simply put, the Holy Spirit is in me for me. He gives me uh, sanctification and righteousness and holiness, and the Holy Spirit comes upon me for you, gives me power to do ministry, power to help others. We discuss speaking in tongues, the benefit behind it, that we should all be speaking in tongues all of the time. We looked at the power that comes from having the Holy Spirit in our life. We talked about the boldness that comes from having the Holy Spirit in our life. We talked about the need to continually be filled, filled to overflowing, so that when we're bumped, the Holy Spirit comes out. Amen? Amen. Today, I want to take a look at what it means to be mature in walking with the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be mature in walking with the Holy Spirit? What does that look like? You know, I believe that even for those of us who have walked with the Lord for a long time, decades, we may have some misconceptions and some wrong thinking about what it looks like to walk with the Holy Spirit. And so today I want to take a look in the Word and I want to take a look at the, the life of the Apostle Paul. I want to see what his life looked like as he was mature in walking with the Holy Spirit. Of all of the The stories and the accounts that we have, we have more record of Paul walking and doing miraculous things in the power of the Holy Spirit. Most of the book of Acts follows Paul from place to place to place as he goes. And so I want to take a look at his life today. Uh, We're going to jump through a bunch of different scriptures, and I want to see how he walked with the Holy Spirit and some of the things that he did and some of the things that we can learn about what it looks like to be mature when we walk in the Holy Spirit as Paul was. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's jump into Acts. Uh, We've been in Acts. We're going to start in chapter 9, verse 1 through 16. Turn there with me in your Word. Uh, I've got a few portions of Scripture that we're going to read today directly from the text. 16 Scriptures is a lot to put up on the slide. And so bring your Bibles, underline, mark your Bibles. There's good stuff in here. As we read the Word, as you read the Word, God will cause different things to jump out at you at different times and just underline stuff. I, I, I underline stuff in my Bible all the time. I don't like highlighters so much because the, sometimes they tend to bleed through onto the back page. Uh, but I, I do like to write, and I always use black pen because it doesn't run as much. Anyways, Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. So this is the very beginning of Saul's conversion, uh, Paul's conversion. And it says, Then Saul, breathing the threats, and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, it's the name of the church in the very beginning, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So Paul, we know him as Saul at this point. The Bible tells, his name is Saul. He will become Paul after he starts to follow Jesus. He had been, uh, he is a Pharisee. He grew up trained to be a Pharisee. And he was stamping out Christianity. He was doing everything he could to come against this new form of faith called Christianity in the earliest days. He, he saw over Stephen's murder, over the stoning of Stephen, many other things. And so he, he gets done going through Jerusalem and he says, hey, to the high priest, he says, hey, I want to go down to Damascus and keep doing what I've been doing. I want to get rid of this church that's starting to grow out of what we all believe here. And so the, the high priest gives him those letters and it says, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul and responded, who are you, Lord? Lord. Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Young's uh, Young's literal translation says, kick against the pricks. And so a goad was a long, pointy, spear-shaped object. And so imagine, if you will, there's an oxen and the guy's got the plow, right? And there's the reins tied to it so that the oxen can pull the plow. And what would happen is... After the oxen walks for a while and plows for a while, he'd get tired and he'd stop. And so the plowman would have this long spear-shaped rod, spear, attached to it, pointed right at the, the, the ox so that when the ox stopped, he'd poke it with the goad and he would get it to move forward again, poke it in the butt, and it moves forward some more. It's a really old, simple technology. But this is what a goad was. And so it's hard to kick against the goads, right? You're going to kick at that thing. You're just going to get more hurt. The plowman positions it in a way so that the ox can't kick, but the plowman can keep poking it until you decide to do what the plowman wants you to do. And so it's hard for us to go against what God wants us to do because God can, can, keep, God can just keep poking us in the right direction, He'll just keep poking us. It's gentle. It's loving. It won't hurt you. But he, he gets you in the right direction. It's hard for you to kick against the ghost. So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then he said to him, arise and go into the city and you will be told what to do. And you will be told what you must do. And then the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he, was, he saw no one, he could not see. But they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus, and he was there three days without sight. And he neither ate nor he drank. So Paul has this extraordinary experience. He's knocked to the ground. God speaks to him. He wakes up blind. And what does he do? He calls an Esther fast for himself. He doesn't eat and drink for three days. He got that right. Now, there was a certain di- disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called straight. We've talked about this verse all through, all, all through this series, that this is, this is some of the uh, direct revelation from the Holy Spirit that all of us long for. Go to the street called straight. This is so specific. Go to the street called straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him so that he may receive his sight. This is very specific. And so rarely will the Lord speak to me this way. I don't know how many of you Get these kinds of revelations where God speaks very specifically, but it's rare in my life. Then Ananias answered and said, Lord, I have heard much about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on his name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, before the kings. And before the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name. God had a plan for Saul. Saul came in, breathing out these murderous lies against the church, killing people, dragging them off, putting them in prison, but God had a plan. So on his way to Damascus, God shines this light. God knocks him off his horse. God gets his attention. God makes him blind. And then he tells Ananias to go there, and he tells Ananias what his whole plan is for Saul. God has a plan. And we're going to read here in a moment that Saul found out the plan very early on. And so part of us being mature and walking with the Holy Spirit is knowing what our calling is. Part of us being mature and knowing what the Holy Spirit is Part of us being mature in walking with the Holy Spirit is knowing what our calling is. It's knowing what our sauce is. That's the title of today's message Know Your Sauce. We're hot sauce, know your sauce. Being mature in the Holy Spirit is not about being able to eat the Carolina Reaper. Right? Jamie talked a little bit about the pepper last week, the different peppers, right? The Carolina Reaper, hottest pepper out there. Spiritual maturity is not that you can eat the hottest sauce. Spiritual maturity is not that you can eat the hottest pepper. Spiritual maturity is not that you can just take it. Spiritual maturity is knowing what your sauce is. Listen, I know my sauce. I, the, my level, my highest level is like Tostitos medium. We've shared this before, where my preference is Tostitos mild medium. You, some of you guys are like, there's no, there's not even any flavor. Like, there's not even any heat there. I mean, come on. Give me something that would make me sweat. My wife made pulled beef the other day. She put some spice in it. When I, when I finished eating, I started to wipe the sweat from my brow. It's just that little bit too spicy. I'm like, man, that was a little spicy. You got to know your sauce. You got to know, every once in a while, you'll come across another sauce. You'll be like, hmm, I don't know this variety. You know, I'm used to Tostitos. This is. Tapiato. Who is that? Sounds Mexican. I bet you this, this is hot. But I'm good with medium. This one's medium. Let's try medium. Oh no, I can't do that. Listen, you're not any less spiritual because you can't eat the Carolina Reaper. You're not any less spiritual. You're not, you are not not walking in maturity because you're not preaching and prophesying. The gift that God's given you, what's your sauce? God's given you an ability. He's given you something to do. Know your calling. Part of spiritual maturity is knowing your calling. We have to know our calling. We have to know what God's called us to do, and then we just do it. We just do it. What's your sauce? What's your lane? What has God given you to do? Are you doing it? Are you refining it? Are you getting better at it? Paul had a specific calling in his life. Paul had a specific sauce. He had a lane. He made the most of it. We're going to see this in a few more accounts. What is is it that God's called you to do? As you go out and do what God's called you to do, and you're faithful, He gives you more. And so take what God's given you to do and just go and start to do it. You may not be very good at it. That's okay. A lot of times our sauce is something that we're already good at. We'll see this in a minute. Let's read in Acts 22 Uh, 12 through 21. So this is Paul. This is much later in life. This is actually, he's come back to Jerusalem where he'll be arrested. And he actually shares with the Jewish people what's going on or what happened to him. And so he actually picks up in the story right where we just left off with Ananias. It says in verse 12, now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple. I'm sorry, that's 17. These numbers are small. Then a certain man, Ananias, we just read about Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good testimony with all of the Jews who dwelt there, came to me, and he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at the same hour, I looked up at him. Then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear his voice, hear the voice of his mouth. For you will be his witness. To all men of what you have seen and what you have heard. Now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus. So Ananias prays over him. He receives his sight and tells him that God's called you to go and preach to everybody. This is what your sauce is. Now, it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and I was praying in the temple that I was in a trance and I saw. Him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. So Paul has this experience at Damascus. He comes back to Jerusalem, and Jesus says to him, Get out of here, they're not going to receive your testimony. Paul says, So I said to the Lord, They know that in every synagogue I imprison you and beat those who believed on you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by, consenting to his death, and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then the Lord said to me, Depart, for I have sent you far from here to the Gentiles. And so we see this calling upon Paul's life beginning by being sent to the Gentiles. Know what your sauce is. I love the length of the conversation going on here. God God has spoken to me in the past different things. You know, you're going to have to run every day when you become a pastor. Read eight chapters a day. These are, these are full, like two and three sentence responses. And, and I just love it. This is the way prayer should be. Prayer was never in te- intended to be one-sided. We're not just meant to go and tell God everything that's going on. We're supposed to go and talk with him and then hear from him. Yeah. This is why it's so important for us to learn to rest. Because it's in the resting that we hear. It's in the resting that we receive from him. It's a two-sided conversation, but many times we don't give God any time to talk. We're not giving ourselves any time to listen. Your sauce is, a lot of times it can be what you're good at. Maybe you're good with kids. You're good with kids. Maybe your sauce is to, you know, work with kids in the children's church, engage kids. Maybe your sauce is just helping others, you know? It can be that simple. Your sauce is just to just help people. Gift of helps. When you're faithful in a little. Too many times we make things, we try to make the Christian life way more spiritual than it needs to be. Sometimes we just need to help people. The servant is the greatest of all, Jesus said. Acts 21, 1 through 14. Now it came to pass when we had departed from there and set sail running a straight course, we came to cause the following day to Rhodes and from there to Patera. Finding a ship sailing to Phoenicia, we, we, we went aboard and set sail to Phoenicia and set sail. When we had sighted Cyprus, we passed it on the left and sailed to Syria. Then we landed at Tyre for there was a ship For the ship was to unload her cargo. And finding disciples, we stayed there seven days. Though Paul, through the Spirit, they told Paul through the Spirit not to go to Jerusalem. Here's an interesting aspect of the Holy Spirit. Watch this story. Through the Holy Spirit, they told Paul not to go to Jerusalem. So the whole story that we've read until this point is Paul on a ship sailing to get to Jerusalem. When, we had, when he had come to the end of those days, we departed and went on our way. They accompanied us with, they accompanied us with wives and children till we were out of the city, and we went, knelt down on the shore and prayed. When we had taken our leaves of one another, we boarded the ship, and they returned home. And when we had finished our voyage from Tyre, we came to Tolmys, greeted the brethren, and stayed with them one day. On the next day, We who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. Now, this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. When he he came to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. And so the whole company of believers is receiving revelation that Paul is going to be bound and he's going to be turned over to the Gentiles. And so their response to what they saw in the spirit was that they didn't want Paul to go. And this was Paul's response. Then Paul answered and said, what do you mean by weeping and by breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when he would not be persuaded, we cease saying, the will of the Lord be done. See, Paul, one of the things that we talked about in the story uh, when God speaks to Ananias, one of the things that we mentioned was that, one of the things that Jesus mentioned to Ananias was that Paul must suffer for the gospel, and here we understand that paul understood that he was going to suffer for the gospel and so one of the things that we need to do when we know in, in order to know our sauce is we have to hear the lord for ourselves we can't wait for somebody else to hear the lord for us all of these other people heard the heard the heard from the lord heard from the spirit about what was going to happen They knew what was going to happen, but they didn't know what Paul was supposed to do. Paul knew what was going to happen. He said in another place, he said, I only know that in every city I visit, chains and imprisonment await me. So why should it be any different when I go to Jerusalem? He knew what was happening, but he knew that he had to go. He had to hear the Lord for himself. If he had listened to what everybody else, all of the other people hearing the Spirit said, he wouldn't have gone. They didn't want him to go because they didn't understand what would happen there. I don't know if Paul understood what would happen there. It doesn't say that he knew. He only knew that he had to go. He couldn't not go. He said he was ready and willing to die. He had killed people for the gospel. Now he's ready to die for the same gospel. Listen, I know I kill people because they wanted to believe this way. Now I believe this way, so I know that there's people that are out there trying to kill me. And I'm willing to give my life. I'm not saying that we're going to be called to that. Maybe you are. God will give grace to you if that's your calling. What I'm saying is that we need to know our sauce. Nobody can tell you what you can eat. I can't tell you, you can handle this heat. You can handle this heat. I don't know what your tongue is like. My wife has one of the lightest tongues imaginable for hot sauce. There were times where she had trouble eating stuff if they put too much black pepper on it. They put just a little bit of red pepper in something, and she can't eat it. It's not just in her mind. This isn't just, you know, she has a physiological response. She actually gets blisters on the inside of her lip when she eats foods that are too spicy. It's a physiological response. And so you have to know your sauce. No one can tell you what your sauce is. You have to pray and find out what the will of God is for your life. Nobody else can tell you. You can't come to me and say, Pastor Matt, pray for me and tell me what the will of God is. I will pray with you and I will pray for you, but you've got to hear. You've got to be the one to hear. God has given each one of us an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying. God has given each one of us a a spirit that can sense the Holy Spirit and know that what we should do. Everybody else was telling Paul, don't go. Paul knew that he had to go. Acts chapter 16. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Being mature in, the, in walking with the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that we are not going to make mistakes. And it doesn't mean that we're not going to get it wrong sometimes. And it doesn't mean that we are going to always know what to do. Here we see Paul walking in the maturity of the Holy Spirit. He comes out of Galatia and he's like, hey, let's go to Asia. The Holy Spirit's like, nope, you can't go there. All right, let's go to Bithynia. Nope, can't go there. All right, well, let's go to Troas. Nope, that's not where I want you, Paul. Hey, Paul. Paul. Here is Paul. He knows his his sauce. What's his sauce? His sauce is to preach to the Gentiles. He's doing that. Wait a minute. Is Asia in the world? Yes. Are there creatures in Asia? Yes. But Paul was forbidden by the Spirit. The the instructions in Mark say, go into all of the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We've already said, you know... are you in the world? Yeah. Are there creatures? Yeah. Preach the gospel. And so this is what Paul's doing. He's just going for it. But then the Holy Spirit said, no, don't go there. No, don't go there. No, don't go there. This is where I want you. But that's okay. Sometimes we have to make mistakes. Sometimes we just have to take risks, reasonable risks. I mean, we don't want to be ridiculous. But sometimes we just got to get out of the boat. Sometimes we just got to open our mouth. Sometimes we've just got to talk to that person that we really don't want to talk to because that's when the Holy Spirit will give us what we need to say. When you open your mouth, He will fill it. But too often we walk around with closed mouths. God doesn't fill closed mouths. Open your mouth. Holy Spirit will fill it. One of the things we have to know about walking with the Holy Spirit is that we don't always need to know everything that we're doing, and it doesn't mean that we're not going to make mistakes. That's not what it means to be mature. That's not what it means. Here we see Paul. He tried going to Asia. Holy Spirit said no. He tried going to Bithynia. Holy Spirit said no. Continuing in verses 8, So passing by Mysia, they came to Troas, and, in a vision, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood pleading and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. And so when we're committed to walking out our calling, God will give us the help that we need. Paul is committed to walking out his calling. Paul is committed to following, to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. He's committed to it. He tries to go to this place. He tries to go to that place. He tries to, he's trying. Holy Spirit says, no, finally the Holy Spirit's like, let me give you a little bit of help. Let me give you a little bit of help. Here's a vision. Go to Macedonia. That's where you need to be. Acts 15, 28 and 29. This is the end of the Jerusalem decree. Um, There was a council that had met over disagreements regarding how the new Gentile believers should follow different aspects of the law. And so the disciples, Peter, James, uh, all the disciples, Paul, Barnabas, and a bunch of the others, they all got together and they came up with this resolution. Uh, one One of the main things was... Of disagreement was over circumcision, but they talked about many other things. And so this was their conclusion. They go through this whole story, and if you read all of Acts chapter 15, you'll read throughout all of this Jerusalem council, the Jerusalem conflict, you know, and now we have the Jerusalem decree, and this is the end of the Jerusalem decree. They, they make their decision, and they write it up, and they write it down so that they can take letters to all of the churches in other areas so that they can know how to live. And this is what they write. It says, For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these things necessary, that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourself from these, you will do well. The thing that we have to see here is that if you read through the whole story it doesn 't even say that they prayed it doesn 't say that the Holy Spirit spoke to them once. It says that they told they spoke testimonies about what the Holy Spirit had done through peter 's through peter 's um, ministry through paul and barnabas 's ministry they spoke of all of these things that the Holy Spirit had done they talked about what God had revealed them to them in previous visions. They got together, they used their wisdom, they put it together, they put it down on paper, and then they said, The Holy Spirit, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit that this is what we would come up with. Okay. Now, I'm not saying that they didn't pray, I'm sure that they prayed. I pray every I pray everywhere I go, I pray with everything I do. What I'm saying is that it doesn't say that the Holy Spirit spoke to them and said, This is what I want you to write. They determined by previous actions of the Holy Spirit, what to write. And so this is spiritual maturity. Not that we don't need to pray. We need to pray. We need to pray continually. I have a funny story. A pastor friend of mine um, who flipped houses, he bought a house that was repossessed. It wasn't his normal thing, but this one came up through Realtor or whatever. And so he knew somebody else that was a Christian that did the house flipping thing. And they had a, a really hard time with this one house that was repossessed. And so this other person said to my pastor friend, you need to cast the spirit of, and I forget what they decided that the spirit was, whether it was repossession or a poverty or some kind of a spirit out of out of this house in order for it to work because she, this other person was having a terrible time getting the house to the point where it was ready to be be sold. And so... He took offense at the fact that, you know, it was a spirit of repossession. Well, that's not in the Bible, you know. And so he made the statement, and, and he said to himself, you know what, I'm not even going to pray over this house. Seems ridiculous for a Christian pastor to do something and, not, and to not even pray. And so he, imagine if you will, I'm not going to pray for a blessing. I'm not going to pray for no spirits out of here. I'm not going to pray for this or that. I'm simply going to act on principle, and on principle alone, he did what he needed to do. He did, he did what he knew to do, and the house sold just as quick as every other house that he had ever flipped sold. He got the, the, the stuff done in time. Long and short, the story is that he didn't need to pray. Is that an excuse that we make a, a uh, lifestyle of not praying? No, it's, it's, it's revelation that principles work. The principles of God work. The principles that are written right here in the Word work. See, the principles that he followed weren't worldly principles. The principles that he followed were godly principles. He, he called people when they were supposed to be called. He paid the bills when they were supposed to be paid. He did what he was supposed to do when he was supposed to do it. He followed the truth of the law. And by following principles, he was victorious. There are Fortune 500 companies that teach their people how to do things out of the word because they know that the word works. You don't have to be a Christian for this to work over your life. If you simply follow the word, if you simply follow the, the 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 word, there will be a blessing attached to it. How much more will we be blessed when we pray? The principles Principles are essential. But they're only there for when you can't hear. Principles are essential. They'll get you into the right place in order to be blessed. But then when we start to hear God, we just need to obey what he's saying. Principles are essential, but they're only there for when you can't hear. It's all about a conversation. God wants to have this conversation. Are we having this conversation with God? Have we entered into this conversation with God? Do we regularly sit and speak and hear and respond to what the Lord's saying? You know, I'll sit and I'll pray to the Lord often. He often responds to me in short, one, one sentence, you know, usually the most that I get. Sometimes it's more. But you know, what's interesting is that I'll ask God a question, and He doesn't necessarily answer the question that I asked. <laughs> God, what's going on with this and this and this? Read eight chapters a day. That's not what I asked. (laughs) I don't say that back, but I mean, that's probably what we're all thinking. It's an invitation to encounter. It's an invitation to his presence. It's an invitation to just be with him. Our God is a highly personal God. He wants more than anything to have a relationship with you. Why did Jesus come and die on the cross To restore right relationship between God and us. To restore right relationship that we might have access to God. That we might have the ability to pray to Him and to hear from Him. Are we making the most of this opportunity? This is what it means to be mature in walking with the Holy Spirit. This is another aspect of being mature in the Holy Spirit is hearing from the Lord. Hearing from the Lord spending time learning to rest in His presence until we hear Him. When we go into the presence of the Lord and, we, and we're praying and we start asking questions, we have to be ready for answers that aren't going to answer our question. God does that. You watch the Word. He does that a lot. Different um, excerpts that we have where there's these conversations going on between Jesus and and the Pharisees or you know, Jesus and the disciples in the New Testament, God doesn't always answer the question asked of Him because we don't know to ask the right questions. And so this is why it becomes so important for us to pray in the Holy Spirit because when we pray in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God searches us and asks God for the right things that God knows that we need that we didn't know that we needed. And so He's able to answer by His power because of His strength He almost takes us out of the equation. What's he looking for? He's looking for willing vessels. Are we willing? All we need to do is be willing. He's a highly personal God. He More than anything, he wants relationship. And he will not impart his power to us aside from relationship. You and I can't be trusted with the power of the Holy Spirit. You and I left to our own, cannot be trusted with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so this is why we have to be in relationship with Him. Because when we're in relationship with God, His will becomes my will. And now when I use the Holy Spirit, I'm using it for what He wants, not for what I want. And so He'll never impart His power through the Holy Spirit aside from the relationship with Him. It's always about relationship. It comes back to relationship. How much power will he entrust us with? I'm not sure. I'm hunting that down. I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to get to a point where God entrusts me with a whole lot more power than what I'm walking with. But my relationship with him has got to get stronger. It's got to go deeper. His thoughts have got to become my thoughts more. His his will has got to become my will more if he's going to trust me with more of his power, more of his wisdom more of his strength more of his understanding it's about relationship ever deepening relationship when i first was introduced to my wife i thought wow she's pretty she's still pretty very pretty beautiful But I didn't know a lot about her. Now, after 28 years of marriage, she can walk in the door and I know what's going on. Or what's not going on. I can be standing outside and I can smell something coming from the house, some delicious fragrance. And I know she's cooking something fantastic. I know a lot of what she's doing even when she hasn't told me. Now, this is very dangerous, young married people. There's a point here, I promise. Because what can happen is we can start to take one another for granted, and we can start to think that we know what one another's thinking when we're not thinking those things. And so this is, this is kind of where we came to, I don't know, a few years back, and so we had to work through that because I thought she was thinking something, but she was thinking something else, and I was thinking something, and she thought that I was... We, we both do this. We're both guilty of it. And so we had to work that out. hey. You know, I know that we've been married 28 years, and we think we know exactly what one another is thinking, and a lot of times we do, but check with me. <laughs> the relationship with the Lord is the same way. When we were first introduced to the Lord, it was surface. Now you, you've been walking with the Lord for 10, 20, 30 years. I'm hoping that you're you're feeling what He's what he's feeling, I'm hoping that you're picking up what he's laying down. I'm hoping that you're on the same plane and you're on the same level, that his thoughts are your thoughts, that his heart is your heart. As we continue to grow and become mature, we become more like him. He doesn't change and become like us. There's a scripture, I think it's in Amos, it says, how can two walk together unless they agree? It's the Lord speaking to Israel, and it's the Lord saying, Uh, how Israel has done all of these things wrong, all of these things wrong, all of these things that the Lord hates. And then the Lord says, how can two walk together unless they agree? God's not going to change. We need to change to become like him. That's the whole purpose here. God wants us to become more like him. And if we understood, we'd want to be more like him. There is joy forevermore at his right hand. There are pleasures forevermore at his right hand. To be in the presence of God is awesome. There's no place that I'd rather be. If you're here today and you've never had that relationship with God, you've never walked with God in that way, and you want to start that relationship, you want to start that walk, I want to invite you to start that relationship today. Just like 30 years ago, when I first met my wife, I was introduced to her. i had never seen her before first day she comes walking into the place where I was working. She applied for a job there. I got to know her more and more. You can be introduced to Jesus today and you can start a relationship and you can come to know him. And then that, that relationship will go deeper and deeper and deeper until you know how, he, how God likes his eggs. You know the fragrance of when he walks in the room. You know how he likes his coffee in the morning. You know when he's mad. You know when he's glad. If you'd like to have that relationship with the Lord today, I just want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I ask that you would come and live inside my. Uh, I ask that you would come and forgive me of my sins. That you would come and live inside my heart. That you would help me to live for you all of the days of my life, and that you would give me this wonderful relationship that I could come to know you more and walk with you in the details of life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, I'm going to ask you to check the box on the back. It says, Today I follow the Lord Jesus as my Lord and Savior for the first time. If you're watching with us online, you can check that same box or send me an, in, an email at info at redeeminglovechurch.org letting me know that you prayed that same prayer. I want to send you some information about what it means to... To make that decision. If you're checking that box, be sure to put down your address because I'd like to send you some information. Um, And if you did pray that prayer here today, come and see us. We'd love to rejoice with you. It's great news uh, that somebody would decide to follow Jesus. Also on the card this week, I will walk in what God has called me to do. Many of us know our calling. Many of us know what God has called us to do. And we haven't. We just haven't stepped out. We just need to start stepping out. We need to take risks. That's the next one. Take risks. Take risks. Not crazy stuff, but just you know, ordinary risks of talking to somebody that you wouldn't normally talk to. Ordinary risks of just you know, helping somebody, mowing your neighbor's lawn, or you know, helping them out with a, a project around the house. This, these could be the things that God has called you to do. Walk in it this week just begin to walk in it. See what God will do. Amen? Amen. Uh, Come on up, receive the offering. As you come, I'm just going to pray. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, God, that you would help us to live in your Holy Spirit, that we would walk in the maturity of the Holy Spirit, and that, God, that you would have your way in our lives today and each day in Jesus' name. Amen.